Hello and welcome to at least part of a Monday Night Magic preview cast special. At this point, uh, it's Eric from St. Louis and uh, Adam, uh, famous writer from mtgcast.com. Hello, Adam. I haven't written anything for mtgcast.com. Oh, man, I screwed that up. <laughs> I'd say we'll edit this out, but I'm not going to be editing it, so we'll see. Sorry for Daily MTG. He's much too upscale for us. <laughs> I just don't record, record podcasts. So, as a matter of fact, that's what I'm doing. Uh, we've been waiting around for uh, Mr. Otwell, and uh, either he got some other folks to record and you've heard something really cool, or he's gotten some other folks to record, and you're not listening to this, in which case I'm being really silly. Or something otherwise tragic has, has come up, and he's not been able to record. So I decided I was going to wrangle Adam into uh, recording a preview cast, because I slotted out time for it, and gosh darn it, I wanted to talk about preview cards. So, welcome to everyone. Greetings, everyone. From This is Otwell. Um, in response to Eric... Sorry about that. It's my fault. I completely screwed it up um, in that I got really, really sick after dinner. Had to lay down where enough I was sick enough where I couldn't even sit up. I laid down, fell asleep, completely screwed up the recording time, everything for the cast. Um, thank you for bailing me out. And at the end of this recording, I added in a quick two to three minute tidbit that I extrapolated from the Monday Night Magic recording this past week as well, where Robert Connolly, myself, and Tristan also commented on the preview card, but did not actually record a preview cast for it. Um, so you can listen to that at the end of, of Adam and Eric's uh, recording that they uh, graciously provided me. Thank you very much, Eric. You saved my ass this time. Thank you. So, so Adam, how many preview cards have you gotten to to look at or, or preview yourself so far? I know you had one in your in your daily column. Yeah, I shared one Tuesday, and uh, you can expect another one uh, this coming Tuesday. All right. So, if you if you haven't seen Adam's preview card, you should go over to uh, dailymtg.com and uh, look at. Uh, I want to say serious fun. Got it. I'm lucky, not good. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about uh, MTG Cast's exclusive preview card. Uh, if you are listening to the cast, you should be able to look at the show notes and see what I am about to talk about. Um, the name Phyrexian Juggernaut. So already, you should already be thinking, hmm, it's Phyrexian. It's a juggernaut. What instantly pops to your mind when you hear those two words? Jack LaCroix. Okay. <laughs> Not where I was going to go, but I could see where you could find, you could find Jack out of that. Um, well, I think of an ever attacking thing that's going to have infest. Just because, you know, the juggernaut's always attacking, Phyrexians pretty much have infect. I said infest, didn't I? I meant infect. Uh, maybe there's a, why Chris, there's a reason why Chris left me out of the cast. Um, anyway, it has a six 
mana it costs. It's an artifact. It's an artifact creature, juggernaut, as you would expect. It does have infect. And like most juggernauts, it attacks each turn if able. Now, for six mana, you would be thinking that you would be getting a body on this thing. You don't want a 3-3. You really wouldn't even want a 4-4. And you don't get one of those. Instead, you get a 5-5 coming in every turn. Now, a classic juggernaut ability is can't be blocked by something, usually walls. Or uh, do any of them have trample, I wonder? I don't recall any. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not thinking of any. Uh... I'm not thinking either. You, you, it's pretty much a relentless thing that's going to mow down stuff in front of it. That that's that is what this juggernaut is doing. Um, because with infect, if you decide to block it with a four eight or some other obscenely large reared creature, you know it's going to start whittling down because of the the infect the wither nature of the effect infect. And, uh. Yeah, you're, you if you're blocking this, you're probably blocking with either something that's really good or, um, multiple creatures. Yeah, and it's one of those things like most juggernauts, if you run a juggernaut into someone else's large creature, usually, you know, it just eats your juggernaut and you feel pretty bad that your thing had to go ahead and attack again, you know, and, and you had to waste it here. Here at least, if it gets gang blocked or if something large steps in front of it, it's going to shrink that guy down. So it still has some lasting impact in that regard. So in that respect, it's not, it's not quite as bad as a lot of juggernauts are from that, from that, uh, that defect. Um, or, yeah, that limit limitation that is applied to them. So the one thing I forgot to mention is its rarity. And as it seems to have become an an MTG cast tradition, um, we have picked up another uncommon. So this is an uncommon. So you're going to see this guy coming through packs uh, pretty uh, pretty regularly. Small set uncommons show up um, pretty regularly. So you're going to probably see uh, one of these a draft-ish you know, maybe not quite that frequently, but frequently enough that that you can really I- expect to see it, and it's going to be a beating and limited. Limited. I I can't wait to use him. It's uh, I mean it's 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 a very very solid card. I think um, just in terms of being able to to kill things, it's it's difficult to to uh, to block it traditionally. You have to use some sort of artifact or creature destruction spell. Um, which means I, I could even see this um, going into Metalcraft decks just because it's, um, you know, it, it kills in two hits, being five power, um, ten poison counters. You know, so so virtually it's, um, you know, six mana for a ten-five, and that feels a lot better uh, when you're swinging into your opponent. Yeah, w- without a doubt. So now you are the uh, the proprietor of the Popper Cube. You know, if the domain name and all that kind of good stuff is is an uncommon a card that you would slip into a popper cube? No, because popper cubes are all commons. 
Okay, so not going in a popper cube. But uh, do you think this has a place in a cube? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I think that I think there's definitely cubes out there that um, cube designers out there that that want to have that infect theme in a cube um, that think it's interesting, and certainly an artifact is one way to help ensure that. I mean, I think something like this feels um, feels pretty good to attack with. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, that infect makes it problematic to work with. You know, unless you're going all in on the infect idea, it's hard to make uh, to make that balance out because it doesn't um, attack in the same way. But the fact that it's so big and it has to be blocked, um, you know, you, you only really only you can really only take one hit from it. Um, you know, it it's it's interesting enough that I could see it being tried. You know, I I just don't know. I don't think there's a cube out there right now that really has room for um, for all the infect guys or, or infect guys like this. It is kind of interesting, the uh, the kind of two-hit nature of it. In regards to that, it's similar to, say, your Dark Steel Colossus or whatever that's going to have hit you once, hit you twice, and you're dead, um, which is an interesting, an interesting dynamic on it. I really hadn't thought too thoroughly on you know, and for six mana in any deck, that's a that's a pretty cheap threat. Even though it doesn't actually work with any of your other cards, it's uh, it does make it interesting. Yeah, I mean the the six mana is is probably. I mean, I hate to be the uh, the kind of the guy that goes, oh, this would be more interesting if it if it costs less and you know was was way better. Um, but you know, six mana is a pretty um, is a pretty big big slot. In cubes, it's um, it's pretty expensive. We have a whole cycle of Titans plus Worm Coil engine at that casting cost now, and so um, in terms of comparison, I mean, I you know, Worm Coil engine versus Friction Juggernaut, you know, clearly uh, Worm Coil engine is is superior in in almost every way you can measure. Um, you know, so I mean, I you know, I, again, it's um, you know, I, I think I think it's interesting, but I don't know, I just don't see where it fits in in the in the pantheon of titans that's already out there yeah i i see that um but six mana is relevant in one uh new card that was previewed today um today being wednesday when we're recording not necessarily i believe this can go up on friday and uh i don't know did you get a chance to see the top eight magic spoiler Treasure Mage? Yes, Treasure Mage. So, think Trinket Mage, except instead of getting little tiny things, trinkets, it's getting large six mana casting cost uh, artifacts. It's six mana or larger, I believe. Scrolling over to Top 8 Magic right now. And uh, so... It's uh, it's definitely you know this is something that is right within uh, the ability to go ahead and and get picked up by Treasure Mage, so that's definitely something that is relevant about its size. Mm-hmm. Were there any uh, any preview cards that kind of caught your attention have come out so far? Uh, yeah, I uh, was looking at um, some of the. Uh some of the previews um, that have come out earlier this week. One, um, 
one that I think is pretty neat is that they uh, that they reprinted Lean and Sky Hunter, uh, which is a white white uh, flying cat knight two two, but it was an uncommon in Mirrodin, and now it's a common. Um, yeah, I think that 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 speaks volumes to uh, where the direction of creatures have gone over the past six years. Um, in that you know something that was formerly an, an uncommon. Uh, it may have been an uncommon, you know, for for limited purposes or however they evaluated it at the time, and now it's it's a common that comes right after a set that already had a two-two for um, one and a double white uh, Kemba Skyguard. You know that there's so many more um, evasive creatures and flying creatures, and um, you know the power of creatures clearly has made us step up, you know, since we were first on Mirrodin. Yeah, that's definitely the truth. You know, you you find, you know, the quote unquote power creep is really centrally located, for the most part, in creatures right now, and those better creatures are are showing up, you know, over and and over again. Um, you know, something that kind of fits in that theme in my mind is is the new Dark Steel uh, Colossus. No longer dark steel, but uh, blight steel. So this guy, for twelve colorless mana, you're getting an artifact creature golem that has trample and infect, and uh, blight steel colossus is indestructible. So, and if he's going to be put into a graveyard from anywhere, anywhere, you reveal him and shuffle it into its owner's library instead. So it, it's it's rare. It's a cutover from, uh, you know, it's pretty much just a cutover from from the original Mirrodin block, Dark Steel Colossus, you know. But now it has infect. It's been infected by the Phyrexians, and so super relevant. You know, we were talking about five giving you know your five poison counters and, and being halfway dead. Well. This one just kills you with one hit. What are, what are your thoughts on the the one hit kill creature? Uh, I mean it's it's definitely something that's exciting uh, for some players. I mean it's you know wow man you just hit somebody and they just roll over and die. That's it. Game over. I win. You know my big dude got in there and, and did the job. Um, but the, you know, the, the way that can come about, um, and the experience that sometimes, uh, you know, players that aren't as familiar or, um, you know, aren't prepared to handle, uh, you know, can be, um, can, can create some friction, you know, I mean, I, I think somebody that doesn't know that there's, you know, journey to nowhere, um, revoke existence and oblivion ring is going to be. Uh, more than a little frustrated and surprised to to find a blight steel colossus, you know, on the battlefield. You know, how do they how do they handle that? You know, it tramples. You can't really block it and kill it because it's indestructible. You know, so it's um, you know, it's it's definitely a cool creature, but it has um, you know, I, I think there's there's definitely a big danger area uh, when you're looking at these kind of creatures. That and I, I do believe I misspoke when I said it was rare. I do believe it is mythic. So, right, it's it's a mirror of Darksteel Colossus. 
Yeah, I, I was very interesting. The uh, Twitter conversation that that followed this out uh, was really interesting because Randy Randy Bueller, who is, is no longer with Wizards, he goes, "I guess the prohibition on on one you know one hit kill creatures has been lifted." Um, to which a lot of people pointed out, uh, Phage, you know, it, it, it already had already kind of lifted that. But his response and, and several other people's response was, well, Phage, you know, had prohibitions about cheating it into play, and this doesn't. I mean, granted, you can't dump it into the graveyard to get it out, but, you know, you can sneak attack it, which I've heard a lot of people talking about, about using it in sneak attack. Um, sneak attack, show and tell, um, those are the legacy ways. Um, you can tinker it in vintage, um, something that's been pointed out. Any deck that's using Darksteel Glosses as their, as their, as a tinker target. Um, I mean, this is a clear upgrade. Uh, you know, assume for some reason they had a, uh, you know, our Darksteel Glosses of their own. Uh, it, it takes that out, thanks to the infect. Yeah, it, and it's such low cost. Even if you weren't planning on, maybe including Dark Steel Colossus, maybe you were just uh, tinkering for, um, you know, your Voltaic Key and uh, Time Vault. You know, it just costs you one more slot to throw this guy in, and if he can connect, it's a guaranteed kill. So... It's uh, it definitely changes uh, the landscape of of the eternal formats in that regard. You know, oftentimes, when you tinker for a big guy like that, it seems like you know the game is close to over. But you know, there's still you know you have a couple turns usually to go ahead and pull something out, and uh, there is no a couple turns with this. Right. I mean, it's it's um, yeah, it's pretty similar to Emrakul. I mean, it's um, pretty bad news. You're probably losing whatever whatever you can throw in this thing's way, and you're going to be left in a pretty tough position um, after it swings. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think Emrakul is probably the go-to for sneak attack and show and tell, simply because it, um, you know, the permanent sacrifice, you know, it makes six things go away in addition to swinging. So, you know, yeah, I don't, it's, it's, I don't think it's as bad as Emrakul's, but the way. Um, because you can target it, you can bounce it. You know there, there are a lot more mundane ways of um, of dealing with with blade steel colossus than Emrakul, but it's still going to be, uh, you know, just a, a frustrating experience for somebody that isn't aware of of how to exactly handle seeing that. Now they have uh, they did in this set though in in Mirrored Besieged here they are printing at least an uncommon answer for it. Um, well. Only if, but only if uh, your opponent has a second artifact as well, and that would be into the core. Um, it was uh, previewed on the Boston MTG Examiner, and it's it's two colorless mana and two red mana for an instant uncommon. Exile two target artifacts. So I guess you could also have an artifact as well. So you could. Exile one of yours and exile this guy, um, which of course would get around its its recurrent uh, ability to recur. So, gotta keep amping up the uh, the removal, either common or uncommon, so that you can get around the massive amounts of artifacts. What uh, any any other anything else else that strikes your fancy? Um. 
the uh, the the zenith cycle uh, seems you know interesting. The uh, uh, we haven't we haven't seen them all yet, but um, you know the ones we the ones we have seen are pretty pretty interesting. You know, I I mean, I've read Sun Zenith. Yeah, it's it's a disintegrate, but um, you know, especially for commander or things where you know any ability to reuse things um, feels pretty good. You know, I, I definitely um, I definitely think it it has a place and it has a great use in uh, in those kind of decks. Well, so we've seen the red zenith, which you're talking about the recurring uh, the recurring disintegrate. We've got uh, the green. Sun Zenith, uh, X and a green. Search the library for a green creature card with a converted mana cost X or less. Put it in the battlefield, then shuffle uh, your library and shuffle this into it. Um, I didn't see the white Zenith on here yet. Um, and I really haven't heard, seen people speculate about the white Zenith either. Kind of amusing that people just don't really care that much about it. But I've seen speculation on the black zenith and the uh, the blue zenith. So, have you seen any of that speculation? Yeah, I, I don't look at I don't look at anything that's that's unofficial. I mean, it's just you know the you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of information out there that isn't necessarily you know 100. percent So, I like to look at you know when when somebody's got a when somebody's got an article about it and they've actually been able to. To look at it and think about it, and uh, kind of point some things out. You know, th- that's what I key into. So, I just remember the, uh, um, you know, the red zenith. But um, the the green zenith seems like a like a fair natural order. I mean, you're basically going to pay um, more mana, and you get the you don't have to sacrifice a creature. Yeah, that that does seem more fair. It, it's it really fits in pretty well, I think, to the current uh, green ramp decks that are out there. Um, you know, I think, uh, when Conley talked about it on Monday Night Magic this, this week, he had mentioned that it's a more consistent, less, less random, but less powerful type of, of card than Genesis Wave. So, interesting has, has some interesting applications, but not quite overlapping, say, with the Wave. Yeah, I mean, it's like a, you know, it's, it's, it's more like a laser beam than, you know, uh, shovel <laughs> yeah it's also something that it's a lot easier to splash you know because you don't necessarily if you have a particular uh, mana cost that you're looking for um, you know this is this is something you can use to find that um, something to keep in mind you know it's a one one green mana tutor so yeah I mean it, it only grabs green creatures but um... <laughs> Excellent yeah, point. Seems, Forget about seems, that little this caveat. okay when you can grab, like, Fauna Shaman or, um, you know, uh, Avenge Vine, which would come in hasty, uh, Bloodbraid Elf. Um, I guess that doesn't get... You, you don't get the Cascade out of it, but, you know, there, there are a lot of things that you can grab. You know, um, it, it really reminds me of, um, like Genesis Wave did, of course, because it's green, you know, triple green and X, but, um, uh, it reminds me of Court of Calling, um, and it's almost it almost feels like more of a fixed version of that because you can you still get a creature, but you you have to do it at sorcery speed, and you can't yeah. get it for free by tapping you know a bunch of tokens. So, I mean, I still think it's going to be a commander staple. Um, it's you know it's I, I mean I can't wait to get a hold of one. It seems you know really solid. 
for uh, for a lot of decks just because you can get that um, you know I need this specific answer or I need this specific thing to to do what I want to do. So, well, and that's I mean, tutors are always kind of a welcome thing in in Commander, right? I mean, you're looking for a hundred card deck. You're really looking to make things more consistent if possible, depending on on how extreme you want to take it. I mean, I'm not advocating the you know thirty tutors and 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 ten threats kind of uh, kind of approach, but uh, you know, some tutors to help smooth out some regularity in your deck certainly helps. Right. I mean, I mean, there's two different philosophies on tutors. One is to to always do what you want to do, and then the other one is to always have a way to respond to what others do. And um, you know, I, I generally follow the the second the the second path. Like, I, I like toolbox type decks where I can go get you know a selection of different things that help me in different situations, and I can choose what you know what gets me out of this sticky spot I'm in. Um, but you know, the to more to to more to Conley's point, you know, I, I think that. Um, there's already quite a few, you know, quite a lot of, um, you know, powerful combination type decks out there, and any of them running green uh, in Commander are, are definitely going to be able to use this to to build that redundancy type of consistency where they can get what they want every time. Yeah, and and so one of those answers that you might be looking for is the Phyrexian Revoker. Um, then I know they talked about this on Monday Night Magic, but it's definitely worth pointing out. Well, you're not going to be getting it with the, with uh, that card because it's not green. It's an artifact, uh, two colorless, and it's uh, as it comes into play, you name a non-land card, and abilities of sources with the chosen name can't be activated. So, you know, it's another answer to Planeswalkers, which um, is always uh, quite relevant. You know, that, that's that's one of the things I like to look for in each set is what are the new answers to Planeswalkers, uh, especially when you have the Mind Sculptor sitting out there, you know, sculpting minds. Um, so it, it's it's a nice it's a nice nice additional answer card. Uh, Pithing Needle definitely has a place, and uh, and I imagine that Phyrexian Revoker is going to as well. It's a two one. And it's a rare, not a, uh, not a mythic, so that's a plus as well. Should be, uh, much more reasonable in the pocketbook area. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see this being, um, pretty comparable to something like Ratchet Bomb, where, you know, it, it, I think it looks a little better, um, than it necessarily is. Um, I mean, the, the greatest thing about Pithing Needle was that it was an artifact. And just an artifact, it wasn't a creature, because it would sit there and it would live through wrath and you could wipe the board or, or reset things and um, still leave your pithing needle up um, and wrath didn't take out your opponent's pithing needle, obviously. But here, you know, even though you're getting, you know, two power for two mana in a creature, um, you know, it's it's a lot more fragile. Um, you know, and they recently, uh, you know, in Lara Reborn, um, I believe Meddling Mage came back and didn't really make much of a splash. You know, I think that um, that creature and creature removal and things like that have gotten, um, you know, better incrementally, you know, with the creatures. And so I'm not I'm not sure exactly how good Revoker is, but I don't think it's as good as Pithing Needle. Well, and and I will ha- I will grant you that. There's also the fact that, you know, it can't be fetched with Trinket Mage. Um, you know, there's definitely a 
a large number of uh, pieces here that that kind of give it the downside. Uh, having the, an additional item to uh, to go ahead and do that in uh, in uh, artifact is always nice, and you know pithing needle not in the current standard environment. So I will take a poor pithing needle over a no pithing needle. Um, once again, especially for the the planeswalkers that are they're going to be around. Sure, sure. I mean, I, you know, I, I definitely agree with you there. You know, like similar to Ratchet Bomb, there are there are places for it, but it's not as universal as uh, it was it was thought originally. I, I grant you that. Um, were were you playing uh, in uh, in Mirrodin when uh, the first time around when equipment was kind of debuted? Yeah, I I played. I wasn't playing. Um, Competitively, not that I've really ever really played that much competitively, um, but I but I remember equipment coming out and um, you know it was just unbelievable. It was just really good, really really good. Uh, you know, it turned out the equipment of Mirrodin was a little too good, uh, as they came to realize. But um, it was definitely very exciting, and it felt so much better than enchantments. You know, I felt really good about running it and equipping my creatures. So, what did you think about the instant equip uh, nature of things? Like, you know, we had, uh, I think it was Leonin Shikari, um, that you would, could let you, uh, move your equipment na- around at instant speed. And, uh, you know, we had the, the colored mana, you could pay the colored mana cycle, uh, cranial plating being the most famous of, uh, that you could pay to equip those cards. Uh, what, what, what's your thought on that, that type of mechanic? I mean, I think it's okay. There weren't, um, you know, Back then, the best equipment was like sort of light and shadow, sort of fire and ice, and they were really cheap to move. So, um, you know, two mana to, to move a sword around is is very reasonable um, for what for what it does, especially when it's the protection effect that that's the reason you're moving it for. So, um, it wasn't as exciting because there there wasn't a lot of there wasn't anything really big to move. You know, now that we have like Argentum armor and um, you know big splashy equipment that costs a lot more to move. Um, I think there's been, you know, like Tethasuma the Dragon's Fang and things like that 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 are really expensive to move. Um, you know, I think they're, you know, I think it's more exciting to, to work with and play with now, but um, generally I like my equipment that are cheap to move around. You know, I mean, Lightning so, being pretty much the, 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 the poster for, you know, quick and easy. Yeah, so, so then... A creature that can move equipment around for free is something that's definitely appealing to you. Then, yeah, I mean, with the right equipment, sure. So I'm talking about Brass Squire. Yep. So for three colorless mana, uh, you get an artifact creature mirror, um, which I really has, uh, I think, kick-ass art, um, and uh, you can tap him to attach target equipment you control to target creature you control. So he's a one three, and uh, it, uh, the art on the card is also spectacular. I know it's great to talk about art on the audio podcast, uh, but you know it, it, you got this this nifty looking mirror kind of crouched down with a big ass sword across his back, which I, I just really like that image. So yeah, so I just went to um, magic-ville.fr. Uh, it's a French the French magic site where. Um, 
guess it was previewed. And right now, as I'm looking at it, they have three different um, photos. They have they have two photoshops of him. One where instead of a sword, he's holding a guitar over his back, and another <laughs> one where he's holding a baseball bat. So, I think uh, I think there's a lot of fun to be had. Um, you know, when when they're they're already manipulating the artwork, I think that says a lot for uh, for how endearing it is. Um, I mean, I think I think especially with Argentum armor um, being you know being around and being um, tutorable and put into play you know pretty easily thanks to Stoneforge Mystic and um, Quest for the Holy Relic, you know I think that he gets you know more interesting. It would be you know it'd be great to have some sort of activated ability where you get like an alternative cost. You know, like instead of costing six, you know, you pay three to move an equipment at instant speed. You know, some fair, you know, some fair round number. Um, you know, the tap ability you know, is, is, seems pretty intentional to slow that down. But um, you know, just for messing with combat, you know, in limited, I think it's going to do a great job of that. Well, and it gives uh, Jacob Van Lunen something else to uh, pair with. Uh, oh, what's his favorite uh, artifact on tapping uh, thing? That he uses with, uh, oh, I'm being horrible today with names. So he has the, the, the artifact guy who can blink in and out artifacts. And then there is a card that lets him untap artifact. I will look that up in Gatherer. And, uh, while I do that, I, I'm going to talk about the fact that we have uh, new previews as well gone up on the mothership just this very minute. Indeed. So the first one uh, I, I went to was the Michael J. preview, uh, Ink Moth Nexus, So, which is a, uh, a play on Blink Moth Nexus. And, uh, you can add one to your mana pool. Uh, tap to add one to your mana pool. There's a normal colorless land there. Or you can pay one, and it becomes a 1-1 Blink Moth artifact creature with flying, and infect until the end of turn. It's still a land. So, there you go. The, we are continuing along the lines of, uh, of our wonderful, uh, you know, corrupting the, the icons of Mirrodin. So it's effectively a two-power Blink Moth Nexus now in the Infect deck. Mm-hmm. When you've built Infect, have you felt a a need for colored mana in uh, colored mana in such a way that um, would impact uh, you know playing this card? Uh, yeah, the Infect decks that I put together, um, you know, I mean, these are just kind of arm-waving, you know, hey, cool, here's Infect dudes. You know, you definitely, definitely have a strong want for double black and double green, um, especially on consecutive turns when you can, you know, double black, um, uh, Icar Rats into, um, turn four, um, Teljalad Fallen, you know, that's double black and double green, and that's, um, a pretty strong, Pretty quick way to uh, to to put um, another player away, unless they they just wipe the board right away. So, you know, I could see the colorless being um, a little bit of a hang-up, you know, and just um, kind of uh, scouting scouting uh, uh, Mr. Flores' article here. You know, it kind of looks like it 
you know, it lends itself more to being, um, you know, uh, a potential, especially for something like in a proliferate deck that has the long game plan of being able to re- proliferate repeatedly. You know, if you hit two or three times with, with this and then start proliferating, suddenly, um, you know, your your ability to increment your planeswalkers and, and other control effects, you know, is also your win condition. Okay. Good deal. So that's uh, Mr. Flores' card there. And one of the things, though, that uh, that I'm sure you're going to see floating around uh, Twitter and the internets is that uh, if it's a Michael J. card, it's got to be constructed worthy because he usually gets those. So we'll have to see if that maintains uh, truth in this case as well. I, uh, I just saw a tweet pop up from... Evan Irwin, wow, in fact, just got constructed worthy, exclamation point. And then links to Inkbomb Nexus. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the way it rolls, right? Oh, it, I don't know if you saw, Bill Stark put out um, Irwinian reaction, uh, referring to getting really excited about um, about a card that was being previewed, which is just hilarious. Because, as Evan would be the first to admit, you know, he he does get really excited and, and sometimes over the top on these things. Um, I mean, I think everybody has some cards that they get a little overexcited about. I mean, I I look at the commons and I scour them and I get I get a little way too excited about stuff like flare husk and uh, <laughs> you know moving moving a, a an uncommon down to common and now it's eligible for a. Uh, you know, uh, my popper cube. So, I mean, everybody has little soft spots. You know, I think that, um, you know, probably the classic one is, uh, pros love blue cards, lol. You know, and they, uh, <laughs> you know, they drool over whatever the latest, you know, draw obscene number of cards for obscenely low cost effect is, which we haven't seen in a while. You know, I actually kind of miss that now. You know, like four mana, get like four or five cards. Yeah. Yeah, so long as I get to operate on the same level as my opponent with that kind of thing, I'm perfectly content. Um, You know, a card that sounds like it might do something like that is Knowledge Pool. However, it's an artifact, not a blue card. (laughs) And it's like, I see, it's it's Ice Cauldron. It's a wall of text. It, It is a wall of text. Knowledge Pool for six colorless mana um, is an artifact. Uh, it's a rare, and it has imprint, so you know it's mirror aligned. When Knowledge Pool enters the battlefield, each player exiles the top three cards of his or her library. Well, that sounds interesting now. Oh. Mind you, everybody does that. Everybody. Oh, so, multiplayer friendly. Right. It hits every player, not just not just you. Well, I, yeah, you know, I got that my opponent did, and I did. I just wasn't thinking broadly enough yet. So... That that's definitely interesting. So the more people, the more it scales. I wonder what it does with these cards. Um, whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it. If the player does, he or she may cast another non-land card exiled with knowledge pool without paying that card's mana cost. Wow. Now that card seems like it would be fun in commander 
it's like a cross between Dream Halls and um, the wow, the red enchantment that whenever you whenever you create a permanent, you randomly swap it with somebody else's of the same type. Uh-huh. What is that? Um, it's not through the breach. It's it's a it's a Kamigawa block red enchantment. You, do you does that sound uh, familiar? Do you know, you know what you're I, I know exactly what you're talking about and I have no idea what the name of it is. So four. Does that, that like... sound right? Anyway, I you know, it's um it, it's it's just complete like for commander like you know the I could see the the chaos red deck that just like completely just like messes with everything that's going on in the game you know throwing this in without even a second thought you know it's just you know wow I get to I get to cast somebody else's spell for whatever spell I have in my hand you know and the thing is is it works at the speed um, it works at the speed that your spell is the effect is what lets you cast it so like you can cast lightning bolt and then in grab Wrath of God that's removed from the game with Knowledge Bolt from somebody else's deck. Yeah, or um, Obliterate, or insert large, splashy, Dark Steel Colossus type thing here. I mean, just... Yeah, whatever someone wants to cram into their deck... You know, I think this is just so great for Commander because A, you're probably playing a, you're probably playing multiple, you know, opponents right there, then and there. So you're, you're already scaling up. Um, the other thing is that, I mean, if there's any place that rewards people for playing with big splashy spells, it's Commander. So, you know, those, those two things just combine to, I mean, just, make a ton of fun with this. And something else to, to point out about the wording is that um, if you choose to exile the spell, that, you know, that, that you cast the spell and exile it, and if you choose another spell, you cast that without paying its mana cost. So stuff like, um, you know, the, you know, um, you know Noel uses um, Emrakul here. Uh, I guess it's in the... Um, the, the the rules the rules FAQ notes for the card, but any anything that has an on cast trigger, like cascade, still works. That that is pretty sweet. The other thing is is that the number of cards exiled is never going down. You know, without some sort of ex- outside assistance, because you're now exiling the card that you're casting instead. That is once again another spell that has been exiled by this. Yeah, so you, so yeah, you get to go get some other awesome spell, but you probably don't want to cast something that you think is really good because somebody else will steal that effectively. Yeah, don't uh, don't go ahead and steal their mind slaver with not enough mana to use it by casting disenchant. Not 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 a good plan. We, yeah. So some people would say, "What are you doing playing Mind Slaver and Commander to begin with?" But that's a whole another discussion. <laughs> uh, do do yourself a favor, uh, just just for logistics, get a uh, a nine page Ultra Pro binder sheet, and whenever when you cast Knowledge Pool, 
put that in the middle and have everybody put, you know, their stack of three exiled cards around it. So you know which cards got exiled by knowledge pool. Um, cause I think it, it'll, uh, I think that'll get confusing pretty quick with, uh, with most of the games, um, that I've seen where exiled cards end up every which way other than, you know, in its own separate neat exiled pile. Yeah, just stacking them underneath the knowledge pool doesn't seem to be a, uh, a great solution. Yeah, you probably want a good way of, of looking at the cards as quickly as possible. Um, you know, just to minimize downtime, because there's going to be, you know, if you've got four players, that's 12 exiled cards, you know, if half of them are spells, you know, half of them are lands, half of them are spells, um, that's still six cards to, to constantly have um, in mind every time you cast the spell. Yeah, that, that, and that, uh, that sheet is a good idea. You, you can even slip them, in, slip them in so people can, you know, well, maybe not in sleeves, so... But still, having them set on top of that would make makes it easily identifiable. Yeah. Well, we've been rambling on now for for a goodly amount of time. So, you know, with your helpful tip on uh, on how to maybe logistically handle the knowledge pool, um, I think maybe it's time to go ahead and and shut shut our our sharing of knowledge down. Is is there any other one card in the previews that you wanted to kind of highlight and and bring to the fore? Uh, it looks like there we go. There's something interesting. It looks like they um they they showed some of the rest of the zenith cycle. I'm seeing blue sun zenith now in. Um, the uh, collection of preview cards that um, you know that's kind of that's that's set on uh, MagicTheGathering.com. Blue Sun's Zenith is X and triple blue for an instant, and target player draws X cards and you shuffle it back in like the rest of the Zeniths. Um, so basically, it's um, you know like the the ultimate commander version of um, Stroke of Genius. I so totally did not even believe this card. I, I, I seriously, I, I've, I saw people rumored about it and whatnot, and did not believe it at all. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it seems okay. I mean, being triple blue is, um, you know, it, it does, it does limit how easy it is to cast. You know, it's certainly going to be hard to splash into. Some decks, but um, the fact that it's just that it's instant speed and you get it back over and over, um, you know, I, I think that that um, you know to to kind of put it put it why I like this kind of card. You know, if you're making a commander deck and you look over and you've got Cryptic Command in one hand and you've got Blue Sun's Zenith in the other, I know which triple blue spell I'd pick, and it's not the one with modes. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is going to be a a fun card for anything that can make triple blue and a lot of mana. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, clearly, clearly here is the um, it's also a milling card because if you find some way of ramping, you know, um, a ton of mana, you can easily you know have, draw somebody out of the game. Exactly. You know, any of these decks that are currently running. Um, your Genesis Wave, if they wanted to, to switch things up to uh, go ahead and card draw mill kind of thing, you know, it, it's there as well. 
Yeah. Well, there you go. So that's your exciting card. Um, I know the thing I want to close with is that I, I I find the cards that are coming out for for this set really exciting. Um, I, I think they've done a great job of ramping up the excitement level here. I think the Zeniths are, you know, uh, I, I think the Zeniths are great. They they harken back to the beacons and uh, are ver- look very enjoyable to play. Um, even if they're not going to be, you know, the you know obscene power level tournament staple cards, uh, they certainly seem like, you know, at casual tables, they're they're the absolute right power level. Um, you know, they've been they've been kind of s- definitely smattering uh, the exciting cards around to all the different colors. I feel so. Uh, how do you feel about the set so far? I, I think everybody who saw, you know, the first couple trickles, um, you know, last week and, you know, just started scratching their heads and saying, you know, man, I, I don't, I don't see any good coming from this set. You know, I think it's pretty mediocre, you know, cause you can make sweeping generalizations based off of, uh, you know, two or three cards. Um, I, I think that, I think that it's really exciting. I think that there's a lot of very cool, interesting things going on. Um, clearly they're hitting, a lot of different um, player types, and they're hitting it on all cylinders. Um, it's really, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm thrilled with, uh, you know, with both the very powerful things and, you know, the mundane things. I think the, that um, Magic's in a very good place, and, um, you know, this is the kind of set that demonstrates that. So, one last question for you before we go, and that is, uh, pre-release, Mirren or Frexian? <laughs> Um, I haven't decided. Being, being that I remember Phyrexia invading, uh, and, um, you know, that, that, uh, Phyrexia was always, was, was always the ultimate bad guys. They were the, they were the Borg of magic and they had to be, um, you know, annihilated lest you be annihilated yourself. Um, you know, it's pretty hard for me not to be Mirren, but, um. Man, when the when they when they give me stuff like consecrated sphinx and um, you know uh, perhaps my preview next Tuesday, um, it's really hard to to to, to deny um, you know being completed. Yeah, you know where I fall into this is uh, I very much want the Mirans to win, but oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, I very much want the Mirrors to win. However, uh, I, I really want to get my, my hands on uh, Glissa the Traitor. The, uh, I mean, this is this is the you know the the second set's always where things develop a little further, and the fact that the stuff that the Phyrexians have is just completely insane. Um, you know, I it does not bode well for the for the Mirrors. Uh, well, I think, I think they're I think they're in a little bit of a pickle already, and it's just getting started. Well, I, I you know I I can get that, but the thing that gets me also is the fact that how much more can you push poison before it's too good? Because I know Wizards wants to bring it up close to that level, but they don't want to make poison, you know. Absolutely brutal for everyone to play, yeah, or to play against. So, 
I'm curious to see. I think if you find poison decks in standard and being highly competitive with just besieged, I think that tells you that uh, mirrored and pure is the third set. If you find poison decks aren't quite there yet, then that does not bode well for the mirrors. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think. Um... You know, I think Infect clearly is going to get some more tools, probably a couple more, you know, I mean, we, we clearly haven't seen anywhere near all of the commons on commons, which is where a lot of the Infect things are going to lie, um, just because of limited. But, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, because of the nature of how Infect works, that there, you know, we've been repeatedly reassured there's nothing coming that removes poison counters from, from players that I think that, that I would suspect that they would they would hedge their bets more on being a little more conservative with with infect, even if their goal is to make it um, competitive enough to be considered competitive. You know, I um, you know, yeah, the you know they've got um, Blightsteel Colossus, but really it's only difficult in the Eternal formats. Um, you know, everywhere else, you know, in Standard and Extended, you have to cast it the the regular good old fashioned hard way and um, you know, when, you know, the, the same things that deal with Emrakul also deal with Blightsteel Colossus. So I don't see, I don't necessarily see um, that type of thing pushing it too much further. Okay. Yeah, well, time will tell. Uh, so, I'm, I'm, I've obviously thrown my, my lot in with the robots, but, uh, you know, what you gonna do? I, I don't know. I, I know I need to wash my hands. I got this oily stuff on it today. I don't know. It's <laughs> kind of burns a little bit. It's different. Oh, I feel so sorry for you, you and Karn. So, well, with that, <laughs> good night, everybody. And I just posted the link to the card. Oh, you waited till just now. You're such a slow roller. Where is it at? He's a good I'm, tease. Can I, I just moved it. I'm not going to go there. Oh man, I already closed my show notes. Oh, well, I didn't so want to guys... give it a time because I didn't want to influence this podcast first. And I why wanted would to not, annoy. How would you Tom not want to? You, Tom sends it to us a week ahead of time. Going there, Phyrexian Juggernaut, six mana, five five. Infect Phyrexian Juggernaut attacks each turn if able. I think it's a beat down. Uh, it's fine. I mean, six mana is a lot. The problem is it's an artifact. Yes, it's a six-man infect creature, and artifact hate's generally bad against infects. So when you finally drop this guy, and they're just holding their shadow for the entire game. I mean, sure. this guy's this guy's definitely playable. I just don't know if he's. The, See, I mean, this the real question. The real question is: Are you smart enough to have it in your sideboard the whole time, like not run it main deck? So then, game two, when they take out the shatter, you bring that I bad mean, boy in. Or there, is that, is that just so many levels deep of thinking you'd never actually do it? There's that, but then there's also the option where you can just play this in a non-infect deck, and this guy can just two-swing them to death, so then they have to worry about this guy just as much as they would any other guy. Yeah, yeah this, guy's, this guy's, this guy's a lot better in a metal deck. Yes, yeah, this guy's... He'll run into everything. He'll, yeah. he'll, be, he'll be just smashing into whatever you can throw out there, because people are just going to have to waste material just to keep from being hit by him. Six casting cost, you're into all the level of the Titans. A quarter shield, this bad boy. And worm coil engine... No, no, this is not seen play in standard. We're not oh, talking about. Okay, all right. <laughs> this card will see zero constructed play. Okay, it, it would see constructed play. 
What are if you there's cutting anything, here? If what? there's an effect tank that'll make it happen, this is a card that'll Chris, No way. There's no Chris, way. I'm, the only way you I'm can calling cast this card is off, like... I'm calling 911 right now because you're overdosed on heroin. Okay, Conley, I guess I'll have to run it in my deck as a sideboard card. <laughs> there was no I, way this I would certainly could... put this into an infect deck if I was running infect. Take no, out. you wouldn't. Infect wants to kill by turn six, not play a dude. Crypt, Mox, 5-5 infect juggernaut. That's that's the closest I'll ever get to playing this card in Constructed. This card is terrible in Constructed, Chris. You need to get your shiznit together. 